This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveler. I'm Meredith Carey, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Lale Arakoglu. Hello. Summer is officially here. The days are longer, sunnier, and hotter. But this summer is way different. Even as states reopen, nothing has really changed when it comes to how America is handling the pandemic, and we know more about the risk of COVID-19, but it's still out there. So this episode, we're asking, how does summer travel even look this year? Joining us to help answer are Megan Spirell, Associate Editor at Traveler. Hello. And New York Times travel reporter, Tarira Mezizua. Hi. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Um, I think the first question we really want to dive into is... What are the trends that everyone is seeing as travellers do start to move around the US and or even just start to contemplate what their own travels might look like over the coming months? Well, I feel like this maybe is the very obvious thing, but every single person is trying to get their hands either on a rental car or figure out all the different places they can go with their car, whether that's camping maybe for the first time or a road trip or I mean, drive-in movie theatres are blowing up all over the country. Um, but I feel like it is all about the cars this summer, which usually like summer is a time for road trips, but it is out of control this year. <laughs> and I don't have a car, so I'm very aware of that. Well, I think you saying that you don't have a car is a really important point, because when we talk about everyone is going to be going on road trips, that runs under the assumption that everyone has access to a car or feels like road trip is an accessible means of travel to them. Taro, tell me a little bit more about, you know, what you're seeing over at the Times and your reporting about who is hitting the road so far and is it in urban places, is it in rural places? Like, who is actually, like, booking these rental cars? Okay, so I saw one stat, and it keeps popping up in my email. It's an RV company that keeps saying you know, our rentals are up 650%. Like everyone's obsessed with getting an RV right now. Um, And lots of conversation about doing a road trip and it doesn't need to be like a cross country road trip, even, you know, just going like three, four hours away from home. Just that sense of like having some control over your trip and where you stop and how many people are coming with you and where you're sleeping. Just that control that you don't have if you're on a flight, that seems to be a really popular thing. But, you know, I took a look Um, the other week at how this idea of like the great American road trip being freeing and the open road and all those things that excite some people about road tripping actually make it kind of 
you know, anxiety inducing for a lot of people of color, in particular black drivers who sort of have to deal with this added factor of like, am I going to be stopped by the police? If I'm stopped by the police, is it going to turn deadly? Um, If I'm going on a road trip, I need to plan it out way in advance because, you know, there are a bunch of towns that aren't safe for black people or sort of like some of those added anxieties. You know, and I think everyone I talked to really said, I'm still going to go on my road trip. I just still have to do this additional planning and plotting and figuring out every single little detail. It's so interesting because this summer it's like we have this one shared anxiety of getting the virus and everyone's scared of plane travel and no one really understands what they can do. But I think it seems like no matter what we do for various different reasons, like hitting the road is not going to be easier. And I think that's the thing that everyone's having to like kind of address right now. Like we all have this idea, but also I don't actually know anyone who's who's renting these RVs or doing these different things right now. And I think it is this concept that's really freeing and like, I don't know. I just, I think it's, there's a lot more to it this summer as well. Well, I think it's also, you know, as we've done with so much in the past few months, it's about rewriting the rules as to what a road trip could be and can be. And, you know, I think we all, especially like in this country, and I say this as someone who moved here and has like a very like romanticized idea of like that American road trip, but you think of certain routes and I think of a road trip in America of having to take like a, you know, it's like a week long epic and you're hitting certain highways and certain routes and going to certain places. And like, that's not the only prescribed way to do it. And, you know, there are lots of different ways in which you can explore this country. And if it is a three hour drive to, you know, a nearby town in your state that you've never explored before and one in which whether it's that you can afford to get there or you feel safe traveling there or you don't feel ready to travel any further like that's fine to me that's like still a road trip and I think something that we're seeing is the difference between the traditional road trip and I guess what we're calling car trips because road trips to me involve like pulling over and stopping at every gas station to see like how the snacks change as you go along and um like pulling over at every like historical marker and I think that the car trips we're taking this year are going to involve a lot less stops, a lot less interaction with other people, with new places, and we'll take much more of like a point A to point B, maybe point C, and then back home uh, itinerary than the usual, like you were saying, Lolly, like weeks long or countrywide road trip, because I think as we look to like limit our exposure, making less stops and maybe even staying for longer at those stops than you would have before means that you can travel more safely. Yeah, I do think people like having that comfort of knowing, like, I don't need to go cross country, you know, like I can still just go, you know, just over the state line and like try out something different. I can just go a few hours away. I think it's comforting to hear other people say, like, I'm not comfortable going on the big trip. I'm not comfortable getting on a plane, but I still want to get out of my house. So I think there's a lot of that, too. Like people sort of approaching the idea of a road trip, but not quite knowing exactly what it looks like. And I think like the the one thing we have on our side is that after having been at home for months and, you know, like not even taking the subway in New York City, I think a little trip will feel really big. So it like that's kind of on our side. It makes it easier to dip your toes in the water because like a day trip sounds incredibly adventurous to me right now. Like to go to the Hudson Valley or just to go like, just to like a state park sounds wild. Like that sounds like such an adventure. So I think that'll also make it easier to kind of start dabbling in a way that feels comfortable. 
I sat in a new patch of my backyard today and it felt incredibly adventurous and I saw everything from a new angle. There you go. And was like, how did it take me three months to sit in this corner as opposed to that corner? (laughs) I do think we've like sort of taken for granted like being able to get on all these flights to faraway places at great prices like and doing it so easily it's just become so normal for a lot of people so this moment now where you're like oh my god I can go an hour away and it's the best thing ever <laughs> or just just like love that idea of like now like super local travel is what's hip I so agree. And I also think it's really funny that, um, you know, I don't know how much that this kind of got beyond the kind of pitch meetings of travel publications. But I know in the past year, like a thing we've talked a lot about is like slow travel and the sort of the indulgence of slowing down your trip and like taking time to get somewhere. Um, And now it's sort of our only option. And it's like, (laughs) all right, well, you (laughs) kind of got to put your money where your mouth is now and like actually, actually do it. Yeah. How do we feel about actually slow traveling? I mean, I think we're going to like it, but I just keep thinking about how like this time last year, I was so stressed about how I had too many trips and like, I felt like I wasn't having time at home and it was overwhelming. And I mean, what a luxury and a privilege and like how far away from my current reality I am. Like that's just so unfathomable now. Careful what you wish for. I know. (laughs) I know. Oh my God. Don't, don't. We did a whole episode about navigating, like traveling around weddings and then a pandemic happened and they were all canceled. Oh my God. (laughs) It's crazy how like quickly things turned too. You know, I feel like not all that long ago I had grand plans for the summer and now I'm like, maybe I'll go on a little trip. We'll see. Well, and I think that's also a good point when you kind of talk about like, because it's been such an extraordinary time and an extraordinarily like difficult time for many, many people, both in the US and around the world, it feels like we have been in this for a very long time. But in reality, it has only been like three, four months. Like most people in the space of three, four months aren't going on multiple holidays. Like summer is that time where you are taking that trip and you want to make it worth it. And so it, this is now when people are just having to pivot and reassess what that trip might look like something that i wanted to ask you guys about because to me it's like the quintessential summer vacation is going to the beach i know we asked some experts on traveler about like the safety of going to the beach side note you will likely not get coronavirus by going in the ocean just as a heads up um but i wanted to know what you guys thought about beach vacations this year I guess to me, the thing is like, how are you getting there? It's the getting there that to me is always the hang up. Like, I mean, this is coming from someone nursing a pretty bad sunburn right now from being at the beach on Saturday. So the beach part, I feel like uh, personally, I have a grasp on, but it's, it's getting there. It's like, I'm comfortable. Like I took my bike to a beach here that, you know, it was like an hour and a half bike ride and that felt safe. It felt like I could do that responsibly. I could get away from people and do what I needed to do, but vacation like am I flying am I driving then it feels like the getting there is the thing that I I'm more focused on personally yeah no I love just total beach baby I'm like I miss the beach I miss the pools a lake some some body of water like that's the thing I'm probably missing the most or anticipate missing the most this summer but that said I am taking the approach of just sort of doing the best I can to be responsible so mask hand sanitizer, washing hands as I go, um, but still going to the beach. And that's a combo of like friends renting cars, um, people taking like bikes, whatever it takes to sort of just get there. I don't 
anticipate flying to a beach far away but I think it's that same thing of like hopping in a car and going I don't think I can be kept away although that image of like you know laying on the beach with a mask on is just so <laughs> crazy but I think I'll be one of those people most likely I'm concerned about my own tan lines with the mask on the beach but that's for another time well also it's just like from my limited experience it's very hot it is it's hot. Like, right it, <laughs> it's and I just feel like my, I, I honestly got a heat rash under mine the other day, like just oh, from no. being at a mar Meredith, I feel like you may, maybe Meredith or Lale saw it, but like when we were at the marches here, just like being in a, with a lot of people in the humidity was like not good for my skin. <laughs> Want to clarify though, everyone at the marches is wearing masks, even in the heat. I think one of the interesting things that um, some of the experts that we talked to mentioned was that the mask is for when you can't social distance so if you are on a relatively empty beach um, because you're outside and the wind and breeze and all that kind of stuff is circulating the air you don't necessarily have to wear a mask so you don't necessarily have to get those mask tan lines i just what i would urge people to do if they're going to the beach in their own car or with their own two feet is if you get to the beach and it looks too crowded for you to take off your mask turn around like just go another day i think that something that when we talk about travel again everything feels like a very big life choice you're going on vacation you're doing this big thing um but as we look to more local travel like you have more opportunities to go back if it's closer to you so if you're going for the day just maybe turn the car around and come back the next weekend um so you can actually enjoy yourself because i that's like a lot of sweat on my face that I didn't know could sweat. Um, so <laughs> would not recommend. Do you think people really will do that? I was going to say, if you told me that after I had biked there for an hour and a half, <laughs> I fair. would lose my mind. I mean, <laughs> I would throw something. I, But I think another alternative is like if you have an umbrella or a way to kind of keep cool, like if you feel like you can't take your mask off and be jumping in the water and carefree, I mean, you can also like put up an umbrella and like read in the shade and still kind of unwind. Like, I think I would maybe do that. I don't know. Cause I feel like, yeah, people, everyone's so desperate too, to be out there and feel like it's summer, especially in places that have really harsh winters. I mean, I don't know if people can, other people consider New York a harsh winter, but as a Californian, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, okay. I do. And I feel like I need my summer. It's so important. I've looked forward to it for so long. So it's like, what are options, like ways I can work with it and still feel like I'm out in the world and not in my apartment? Something that I've seen floating around on the internet is that summer, and this is in air quotes, the summer travel season will be much longer this year. I know that like campgrounds are planning to stay open for longer because the like May-June months were taken. Do you guys feel like we'll be still like going to the beach and hanging out in September? Because it's still hot enough to do it for the most part. I think so. I think we were sort of already seeing like the shoulder season on both sides a little extended, right? Just because of the climate and I think mostly climate, right? So you were seeing people start to do their summer travel a little earlier and extend their beach vacations a little longer um, at the end of the summer. And I think this year there's just more of an incentive to do so, whether that's because businesses feel like summer started later and they need to make more money that way, or people are just going to be like, you know, it's still nice out and I didn't really get the summer that I was hoping to get. So I think it's one of those things that could benefit a lot of different people and we should expect to see that. 
I think also just, you know, going back to the crowded beaches for a second and thinking about that shoulder season, which has always been, I feel like shoulder season has always been a draw because you get to experience places when it's a little bit quieter. And, you know, if you are worried, you want to go to the beach and take a day trip, depending on where you you are located in the US, you know, we've all got a lot of vacation days piled up. Like take some days in the middle of the week you know be I think be smart about when you're planning these days like don't go on a Saturday on like the hottest weekend of the year when you know everyone else is going to be doing the same thing and I'm I mean hopefully sort of the shoulder season creeping a bit longer into the year means that there'll be more opportunities to be creative about when you take these trips this is your 17,000th reminder on this podcast to take all of your vacation days (laughs) (laughs) I have a coworker who makes fun of me because I'm definitely one of those people who go who will just take like Wednesday, Thursday off, and they're just like, "What? This makes no sense." I'm like, I just wanted to be alone at the beach. If that's okay with you, that's like it. The feels best so option. luxurious. <laughs> yes. Also, after a Wednesday and Thursday off, that Friday must be just like smooth sailing. Like, oh yeah, I'm like, like this is basically a summer Friday. <laughs> Please, nobody tell my editor I said that. Yeah, I I know. I think Meredith is always telling us about the Monday off because you have the weekend and you kind of just keep rolling in that mode. And that has been perfect so far. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? <coughs> or just a horrible accident? <coughs> That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, You've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to level up? For me, it's my hiking boots, which have gotten me over some pretty tough terrain. And I'm not talking about my morning commute on the New York City subway. They've pushed me to go to far-off places like trekking in the remote mountains in Patagonia, wildlife spotting amid the thick rainforest of the Amazon, and climbing through canyons in the Utah desert. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. There's an available panorama glass roof, 33-inch all-terrain tires, and multi-terrain select driving modes. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior means that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. 
She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. So we touched on this a little bit in terms of the kind of logistics of getting the be- getting to the beach or when you're on a road trip and not necessarily making too many stops. But I'm interested to hear from both of you how, as you know, we start to dip our toes into traveling this summer. And for those of us who do feel comfortable doing it, how do we do it responsibly? Like what information should we be arming ourselves with? And, you know, what should we be packing? Like how do we be responsible travelers during this time? I think one of the biggest things about travel is even under normal circumstances, it's on you to do the research. But very often we've been able to get away with maybe not doing as much of it as we need to because there's always going to be somebody on the other hand who can help you answer a question or you can get a quick response from your phone because so many people already know what's going on. And I think right now and through, you know, over the next several months, it's important to sort of think of every aspect of your trip before you go do it. Um, I think if you're feeling ready to fly, it's important to look and be like, okay, does it make sense for me to take an Uber or Lyft to the airport? Or does it make sense for me to have like my loved one drop me off? On the other end, does it make sense for like a whole group of people to come pick me up from the airport? Probably not. Sort of like, Think of, like, sort of break down every aspect of your trip and think about not just how it affects you, but also how the other people you'll be interacting with are going to be affected by how you choose to travel. And that also comes down to just sort of being like, okay, I'm packing a bunch of masks with me, not just because I don't want to sort of be spraying people or anything like that, but also just to be respectful of other travelers um, and thoughtful and considerate for how my behavior is going to affect them. I think it's a lot more of like taking ownership and responsibility for yourself as an individual who's a part of this larger travel community. And I think with destinations, yeah, like the onus is on the traveler and I, you you know, we can't just be showing up places anymore. And I think especially thinking about going to like smaller beach towns or smaller mountain towns or just like smaller communities where, especially as people coming from New York and I, this applies to people coming from many other cities, like we could be bringing the virus with us, we could could be spreading it. And I think some places are open for tourism, you know, they've reopened their hotels, or the tourism board is promoting people coming, but the local community doesn't feel comfortable with people visiting. And I think, however, you can get a pulse on like the local sentiment around visitors is what I would suggest. Because like, I do want to go rent a cabin somewhere at some point, but I also don't want to go somewhere where that makes everyone who lives there really uncomfortable and where like the rhetoric all summer long is like, oh, these people coming in and like at this time that we don't feel comfortable with that. And I think there is like coverage on some of that. And I also think just like looking up where you're going, like it kind of is clear. There are a lot of places that don't want travelers and they've been pretty vocal about that. And so I think like trying to do that sort of research as well helps you be mindful of where you're going. And if it's a place that like, yeah, maybe they have no cases because they've really kept outside people out. So don't go barging in with all your stuff from the city or from wherever you're coming from. I think that's the thing I'm thinking about this summer. And I would say just as you think about staying in a place, looking and being a lot more intentional about planning what restaurants you're going to get takeout from and all that kind of stuff, just so that you know ahead of time what's open, what's not. This feels like a travel planner's like dream opportunity to create a binder of all of the information that you need for your trip. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, again, like you were saying, 
thinking through every single thing you are going to do and maybe being more intentional about scheduling things just so that should something be canceled, you have backup plans, you have safe backup plans that are not scrambles. I think that as we look to the summer, the scrambling just leads to bad decisions. I think there's also something to be said of like sort of taking a moment to move a little slower, right? Like I love a good flight deal and a good hotel deal. And there are so many of those going around right now. And it's sort of like forcing me to be like, okay, can you actually go to that place responsibly right now? Or are you just tempted by that really good deal? Um, So I do think there's an added challenge, if you even want to call it that, um, for people who just love a good deal. It's definitely like sitting on your hands um, because I feel the same way. And, And you also have to factor in like, is this place even open enough for me to enjoy it in a way that I feel safe doing so? Because again, as more states reopen, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should be going there and you should be eating out at the restaurants even if they are open. I saw a really great meme this weekend that was Jonathan Van Ness from the most recent season of Queer Eye saying, just because you America can doesn't mean you America should. And I really feel that <laughs> strongly when it comes to this scenario. Um, We'll put a link to that meme below because it's it's great in the show notes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like thinking, okay, if I do fly there or if I do drive or whatever it is, like, am I actually going to have a vacation or is everything going to be closed? Am I going to feel unsafe going out? Like what? It's like a lot of temperature taking, I think. I also have no desire to go somewhere that doesn't want me there. Like I want to be able to freely move around and talk to people who actually live there and make them feel comfortable with my presence and feel welcomed. Like, I don't want to go somewhere where I know that I am, you know, potentially putting those people's lives or communities at risk. Um, And, you know, I think we're so absorbed in this current moment that you sort of forget that, like, you can go on your big holiday next year or the year after or whenever. Like, you don't have to take that trip right now. Like Meredith said, sit on your hands. (laughs) Well, and I think I would keep that in mind with national parks. Like at the start of this, we had Patagonia did a story on our site about going to national parks and small communities where it's either on like indigenous owned land or you're just in a town that has, you know, one hospital and one supermarket. And I think even though we're in a different stage of the pandemic now, just thinking about that, like I think national parks and state parks are the places a lot of people want to go first because it feels like the outdoors, you know, you can camp, you can have space. But I just think like, again, going through that thought process of every single bit of the trip, the places that seem really spacious and really obvious aren't always the easiest place to go right now and to be responsible. And I think like just being really critical and like putting yourself through that before you go anywhere is so essential. And also it'll probably help us be better travelers in the long run because we'll become so much more aware of like, the places that we go. Like, I think we're going to think about destinations totally differently. And even if we don't have the same concerns a year down the road, we will have learned a lot more about like the way we impact a place when we visit, hopefully. I think that's such a good point. That's a rule of thumb we should be using pandemic or no pandemic, you know, asking like, whose land am I on? What is this place that I'm choosing to visit? At, you know, is it appropriate for me to be here at this time? How do I move around this space in a sensitive and respectful way? Like, those are all things we should be doing all the time. Agreed. (laughs) One question I had kind of going down 
thinking about the kind of like every step of the trip is accommodation because you know we talked about RVs but lots of people are not going to be renting RVs and they may be driving and wanting to spend a few nights somewhere or whatever what is the deal right now and obviously states differ but in terms of booking a hotel room or an Airbnb you know is that something that people should feel safe doing so you know kind of like how is that changing and how are they opening up as summer kind of hits the ground in terms of hotels a lot of hotels and a lot of states are actually opening up hotels for booking and also short-term rentals like airbnb is and you know whether it's safe or not to do so just becomes such a personal decision right like i could perceive it as being totally safe to go stay in an airbnb or in a hotel whereas that might make somebody else feel really uncomfortable um i know You know, one of the biggest things coming out of all of this is that everyone has such a high priority for cleaning at this point. It's sort of like, especially for the hotels, I feel like cleanliness and sanitization are just like the sexiest words ever. Everyone's like, we have robots that clean. We have like, you know, this new cleaning fogging technology, (laughs) like we love to clean. (laughs) It's like, okay, cool. You guys love to clean. Um, Because they want people to feel comfortable knowing that the rooms are clean. A lot of them are, you know, a lot of hotels are instituting like new policies that say, you know, nobody's going to check into that room for 48 hours so that there's time for it to be cleaned and sort of making those kinds of decisions to make sure people do feel comfortable. And I know also, again, like on the hotel side, a lot of hotels are not going to be doing like so much touching in terms of someone a staff member handing you your key card or you just being able to walk over to an elevator and being on a crowded elevator some might say might be limiting how many people are getting on an elevator or some might say take the stairs um there's a lot of thought happening behind the scenes on that front um so i do think that's something to consider but again it comes down to like sort of your personal preference and comfort level well and i think you know i don't want to sound like too overdramatic but like that's one that and and it has to be done it's essential but it's one of the things that worries me about what could change about travel because you know it means that travelers become more and more isolated and they don't actually mix and meet and learn about the people who actually live in the place and therefore how do you become a more understanding thoughtful traveler if you're not actually interacting with the people who live there and it's you know the those little moments sound trivial but it is how you talk to someone or you learn something or you have like a moment with them and you take those all away and you have the tourists isolated and experiencing a place separately from the people who live there and you know I think that is something to think about. And it's like is that even travel like if you're just moving your body into a different place and seeing the place but like I actually my travels are about the story someone told me or where even where they told me to eat and then I had a great meal or like it always comes back to the people. And I actually wonder, I know we're sad about having to cancel our summer trips, but I was supposed to be in Lebanon this week. I also wouldn't want to be there without being able to meet people and have someone tell me about this random bar. And then we go have a drink together. And like, you know, if it's not going to be like that for two years, then I'm not anxious to go sooner because that's takes away like the reason I want to go in the first place. You know, and a lot of hotels are sort of saying to people, you know, 
you can't have like room service, but also you can't go sit down and eat in a restaurant. You can order food and it'll be dropped off at your room and you can eat it in your room. And you're like, oh my gosh, how much of the travel experience happens while you're gathered someplace talking to people who are from there, people who work in a place. So all of those things are like, you know, people who work, I talked to a woman who runs a hotel in South Carolina and she was saying, you know, people don't know that I'm smiling behind my mask and like I'm a naturally, you know, hospitable person and I'm friendly and I'm just a person who smiles a lot. It's a big just part of my personality. So I do think those little interactions go a long way. So we'll see how that reshapes things. I've been practicing like squeezing my cheeks up really high (laughs) so you can see them over my mask in the mirror kind of thing. Um, No, but I think that the scary thing about that is that we don't know the timeline of when a vaccine is readily available to everyone. But I guess the hope is that even if travel changes in the next year or two years, that when we can finally travel in the way we want to, we're all going to be running out the door, like running out the door to meet people, to talk to people, to hug people with consent to like share a beer, like to do all those things that we love to do when we travel. Um, I think as far as hotels and Airbnbs go, to Lolly's question and, and kind of to Megan's point about being more independent, I think one of like the good things is that hotels are cleaning at the beginning and end of everyone's stays. And I think a lot of hotels are saying like, we're not gonna have housekeeping come in while you're in the room so that there's not a bunch of people touching your stuff while you're not here. And I think in that independence, it's like respecting your space, cleaning up after yourself, um, not using as many towels. Like there are small pluses to all of us having to take care of our own space and look after it and maybe not have a professional come in like full dark clothes every time you leave the room. And then on the Airbnb front, I think, you know, what Drira was saying about it being so personal, I think is so true because I'm not one to usually ask a host any questions. I'm like, ooh, your place is super cute. You seem like a nice person, gonna book. Um, But now when I look at Airbnbs, I'm like, I'm definitely going to message them, ask them what they're doing. Airbnb has launched this whole protocol, but there's no guarantee that that host is following it. So yeah, I think for the first time, I will be like fully sending like my 24 questions (laughs) of um, asking about how things are in that place, that they're a great resource to know, you know, how people are feeling about people visiting and also should be your first line of defense when it comes to like cleanliness, because they should be telling you exactly what's going on in their home. One thing I've heard on this is that like sort of coming out of this time, it probably wouldn't be surprising to see more of a ranking or a review system that values cleanliness as much as it does everything else. So sort of like a Yelp focusing just on how clean a hotel or Airbnb was, just focused on how clean everything is, like whether it was sanitized, what it was like when you got there, how often you think it was cleaned, that type of stuff. So I do think there's a real premium there for um, cleanliness. Moving things on a little bit, Given that we, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about these sort of smaller scale trips that were going to be taken, and it sounds like Megan, you will not go to Lebanon, but you will be going camping. Um, how do we make these small local trips? 
feel like a big adventure? How do we kind of keep that spirited adventure that we've got used to experiencing when we are hopping on a plane and going somewhere that feels like entirely new? Something I think about with all trips, I don't know when I heard this or what the exact stat is, but it's about how the anticipation of the trip brings like 75% of the joy of the actual experience. And to what we were saying earlier about flight deals and stuff, I went through a phase of like booking flights to places I'd never considered going and it was really fun and there was an adrenaline rush in a different way. But I also think now that we're traveling less, like I can either do an impromptu trip next weekend where I go out of town, I drive, even though I still want to plan, or I can book like a one-nighter in August and look forward to it until then and have the time to plan and have the time to like kind of marinate and knowing that I'm doing a trip when I haven't for so long. And I think... To me, that's like it achieves both the things you need. You can do your research and also like really anticipate it. And and that feels really exciting to me. Like I haven't had a trip to look forward to in so long, but like that act feels really meaningful. I'm going to try doing that. Um, I think for me, it's sort of trying to just stay excited. I mean, I feel like the bar is so low. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I actually don't, you know, like, I would love to go on some beautiful, like, Sicilian adventure. Like, that sounds great. But honestly, like, driving a few hours to the beach for a night or two sounds equally exciting. It doesn't feel like a whole stretch of the imagination. If anything, it's a little bit more calming because I'm not trying to consider, like, do I need to wipe down my seat on the plane? Like, what am I, you know, all of that, some of that anxiety is lifted a bit because... I just know that I'm going somewhere close by. Um, And I also like the idea of sort of trying to just find something, one thing on whatever my next trip is going to be that I think is exciting and new. I think sometimes when you plan a big trip, you're sort of like, oh my God, all of this stuff is really exciting. Or you might say like, oh, I really want to check out that one bar in that city. Um, and now it's maybe just saying like, oh, you know, along along the way, there's this really cool spot that I want to check out and maybe spend a few hours there. So trying to make myself think about it that way. But if anything, it just feels less stressful. I would pay so much money to just be on a beach where I can get a lobster roll and take it to go. Like, literally, that's, like, all I want to do. My mouth just apart from like, Apart from, like, going home to, like, see my family. Like, I just want that. That's all, as you said, the it's sort of like my expectations have completely changed. And to me, that feels like the most fabulous holiday right now. I've personally thought of all the little trips near home that I haven't prioritized in the past few years because I've been wanting to do these bigger bucket list trips I feel like so many of us are read, are like kind of going to those places that are two hours away that we've always talked about and never made an effort to go to. And that feels really exciting because it feels like there is anticipation that it's like a thing you've wanted and now you can do. So whether that's like, you know, camping nearby or doing a drive you haven't done like it, there's something very exciting about like achieving those goals as well. There have been so many like day trip and weekend trips that I've saved for myself, like on Instagram, emailed to myself, sent to friends over the years, never been on any of them. And now I'm like, okay, let's revisit some of these folders. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this seemed cool. I saved it in 2017. Interesting. (laughs) But then you have ideas now. And like I've told Meredith and Lolly about this, but like I've been since I got a bike trying to do like big and ambitious adventures here. So I live in Crown Heights in Brooklyn and I 
biked to City Island in the Bronx because a friend went and posted photos of seafood there. And I was like, if I bike, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a really long day, but it is going to feel different than every other day I've had. And I don't even have to leave the city for that feeling. I'm going, I'll do it. I'm like, I was exhausted, but it was great. It was really, it felt like an adventure. I saw so much. And so it doesn't even mean, have to mean leaving the city. For people who are not uh, residents of New York City, how far is that that you biked? Oh, how far is that? That is 25 miles each way. Like, great. And I think it's important to note that I'm on a used bike from the 80s that I recently bought. Um, I am not very athletic. And it was, yeah, it was exhausting. Like, (laughs) but it was worth it. it, But it was worth it. And it, it just like showed that. Like doing that in the past with a car, it would have been like a nice thing to do, but having it be this like kind of challenge and this thing that felt like truly an epic journey. Like I (laughs) just, there's no, it's the best use of epic to me because it was just like so dramatic and there were highs and lows and pain and drama and happiness. And like it, it just showed that when you change a little bit of the formula, anything can feel exciting. And I think, again, it's the time to like go to that random spot that you've always wanted to eat, like one town over. Like you can do it anywhere. You don't have to live in New York City to do those kinds of things. But just like changing your framing a little and being more up for like something that sounds a little wild then makes it really fun. So that feels like the perfect place to end. Tariro, where can people find you on the internet if they want to just keep up with what you're doing at the Times? Um, so my stories, I mean, I guess are on the Times site, uh, and I'm on Twitter, but kind of barely, where I spend most of my time is Instagram. (laughs) And like many people, I could probably do to take a break, but it's been fun to just like follow everybody else's adventures at home for the last few months. So I'm on there and my handle is just my name and like two underscores. I can't explain that to anyone, but... (laughs) (laughs) It's a little embarrassing when you have to say it like that, but that's where I am. I'm on Instagram. (laughs) Perfect. We will put a link to your account in the show notes. Megan, where can people find you? I'm at Megan Sprell on Twitter and at Sprelly on Instagram, where I also spend much more of my time. Lale? You can find me on Instagram at Lale Hannah, and I deleted Twitter off my phone because it's the bad place. Uh, you can find me at oh hey there mayor on twitter and on instagram be sure to sign up for the women who travel newsletter and follow us at women who travel on instagram thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll talk to you next week hi i'm michael calori the co-host of wired's gadget lab and i'm lauren good the other co-host of wired's gadget lab Get ready to dive deep into the cultural phenomenon that's been shaping conversations, sparking movements, and breaking barriers for over a decade. The new three-part docuseries, Black Twitter, A People's History, based on the groundbreaking Wired cover story by Jason Parham, explores everything from the fun, games, and inside jokes that characterize the early years of Black Twitter, to the social movements, the voices, and the hashtags that made Black Twitter an influential force in nearly every aspect of American political culture. Join us as we unravel the threads of this digital community, tracing its origins, celebrating its triumphs, and exploring its impact on society at large. Watch the series from Onyx Collective in association with Wired Studios, premiering on Hulu on May 9th. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. 
but that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.